Welcome back, everyone, to All Good Points. It's your host, as always, Ricky Gray Jr., and this week we're going to be taking a look at the AFC East and the AFC West, two divisions with some heavy-hitting squads that I'm going to be breaking down and predicting the win-loss records for all of them. Feel free to DM me your predictions on Instagram, Twitter, or through email. Remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And now, let's start the show. All right, guys. So first, we're going to be starting with the AFC East. Now, in the AFC East, there's some pretty solid teams, most notably the Super Bowl champion New England Patriots, but we won't be starting with them. Instead, I'm going to be starting with the New York Jets. Now, I understand that this is probably the least exciting team to start with, but that's why I'm getting them out of the way first. For me, the Jets head into training camp with more questions than answers. Number one, is Sam Darnold the answer at quarterback? Number two, how much will Avion impact the offense? And number three, can one of the league's worst defenses pull it together? So we're going to start with the first question. Maybe Sam can be the answer at quarterback, but currently he's struggling in camp, which is kind of understandable. Some people have bad days. He recently had a pretty bad day. He went six for 14 with one interception. But what I will say is that the Jets are doing what they can to help with additions like Ryan Khalil, Jamison Crowder, Ty Montgomery. But where I feel they could improve is avoiding Sam forcing big throws downfield. Just based on based on last year, uh, he had 17 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. Sam should be making smarter throws, and hopefully with the Adam Gase offense, he can improve his field vision to help with that. Now, I kind of understand what you guys are thinking when it comes to Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold had a lot of hype coming out of USC, and then he gets drafted to the Jets. And unfortunately, that first year at the Jets just wasn't it just wasn't good. Now, that's not all on Sam, right? But at the same time, uh, being a quarterback in this new NFL, you have to be able to read defenses very well. And if not, you're going to kind of fall to the wayside as far as quarterbacks go, right? That's why that's why people like Patrick Mahomes separate themselves from, you know, the Sam Darnolds and the, uh, we'll say the Sam Darnolds and the Lamar Jacksons and stuff like that. He's able to separate separate himself because he's really good at reading defenses. Also, he was able to spend his first year behind Alex Smith, who, although has some injury issues, is a great quarterback. So he was able to learn some of the things that you kind of need to know going into going into a league that's as serious as the NFL, right? So it's a big step from college, and I think maybe Sam's first year, he was just knocking some dust off. Um, at least for Jets fans, I hope that's what was happening, was he was just kind of kicking the rust off and getting used to the swing of things and the and the play speed. Um but the only the only thing that kind of bothers me is that I didn't really see a whole lot of promise from Sam, right? 15 interceptions, that's a lot of in, interceptions. Uh one of the one of the things that I noticed from him was forcing throws. He was forcing throws downfield uh and it's kind of like a slippery slope when you get into that kind of groove as a quarterback when you when you force throws like that. So Hopefully, with this Adam Gase offense, he's able to help him read defenses a little bit easier. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're just going to have to see. Uh, preseason game, I think, is coming up here pretty soon for them. So we're going to be able to get a good look at Sam and kind of figure out what's going on with him, see how he's doing, see how he's progressed. Uh, but the next question is, how much is Le'Veon going to impact the offense? Now, as far as Le'Veon goes, he's a great running back, but throwing him on the Jets isn't really a cure-all for all the problems they had. The team was 26th in the league in rush, rushing and uh, 25th in the league in passing. Adding Le'Veon Bell doesn't really fix that. If anything, it gives Sam Darnold another weapon, which helps, 
but it doesn't solve the offensive line issues. Not to mention they have a really, really tough schedule this year and they need to be in top condition. Le'Veon is a great addition for out of the backfield as well because he's a great receiving running back. The offense opens up quite a bit more with this addition, but without improving the offensive line, it doesn't really matter. Um, And that's one of the things that I get into quite frequently is the need for a strong and solid offensive line because it doesn't matter how many skill position players you have. If your offensive line is trash, you're not going to do well. Look at Minnesota. Tons of skill position players. Line is bad. Okay. The only reason I'm using Minnesota is because it's near and dear to my heart, but it's, it's a good, it's kind of like a good example of what happens when you have a lot of skill position players and your offensive line isn't that great. People suffer. Um, the team suffers. Minnesota finished eight, seven, and one. So you kind of have the same situation going along with the Jets. You have people like Robbie Anderson, Le'Veon Bell, really good ball players. I'd said Jamison Crowder earlier, Ty Montgomery. So you have really good ball players. But at the same time, if that offensive line isn't shored up, and I do like the addition of Ryan Khalil, uh, but if that offensive line isn't shored up to where Sam has the time to make smart and intelligent throws and they're able to run the ball, then it doesn't really matter how many skill position players you have. Now, conversely, on the opposite side of the ball, defensively, the the Jets have improved their defensive line. Um, but one thing I am a little bit concerned about that I'm going to note is Greg Williams' blitz packages, right? Blitz, uh, Blitzing is great right up until the opposing offense catches on to the signals, okay? So one of the things, if, if we can talk about blitzes for a second, one of the things that you'll notice is um, the way that Mike Zimmer ran his double-A gap blitz for a long time, right? It worked really well for a long time. And it still works pretty well now, okay? I'm not going to take that away from him. It still works pretty well. However... Once people were able to catch on to that, they're able to understand what the signals are and they're able to beat the blitz, whether it be with something like a quick slant or whether it be something like a misdirection or anything like that. If you can figure out where the blitz is coming from, it's it's very easy to counter. Now, Greg Williams is kind of running into this thing to where he kind of lives and dies by the blitz. And that's not a good situation to be in, right? You Your front four, or if you're running a 3-4 defense, um, your front three, they need to be strong enough to put pressure on the quarterback without having to send in extra players. That's what makes a defense great, right? At this point, even Zimmer has kind of backed away from using the double A gap blitz, right? What he'll do now is send his front four, which is, you know, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, um, Linval Joseph, and last year it was Sheldon Richardson. He would send that first, that front four, and that front four would create enough ruckus to shake quarterbacks. That's the way that it, that's the way that it worked. But one of the other interesting things that he'll do is he'll drop Harrison Smith down to the line to where it looks like Harrison is going to blitz, but instead he backs out and maybe a linebacker comes in. Now that's the way that you get people thrown off when it comes to blitz packages. So Greg Williams needs to open up his plethora of blitzes so people aren't able to catch on to it too easy. Um, that's just that's just my thought on the Jets this year. At best, and this is this is prediction time, I do see another lackluster season from the Jets. So if you're a Jets fan, I'm sorry, but I don't think you're going to do that well this year. You have a tough schedule. At best, I could see the Jets going 6-10. and 10. At worst, I see them going 4-12. and 12. But now we're going to move on to a team that I'm actually really, really excited to watch, the Buffalo Bills. Moving on to a team that I'm really excited to watch this year, the Buffalo Bills. A little bit of bad news from camp, though, because offensive lineman Adrian Waddle, quite the interesting name, by the way, tore his quad and is probably going to be out for the season. 
The Bills, however, showed some real offensive power last year and are going to look to build on that with old Joshy at the helm. His plethora of options at receiving, Zay Jones, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, give them a very, very solid chance of having one of the best receiving cores, okay? Now, I'm not talking, they aren't scrubs, right? Zay Jones, great wide receiver. John Brown, super fast. Cole Beasley, a veteran and a great route runner. Now, pair that with LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore out of the backfield, and the Bills are in really good shape, depending on the line staying healthy. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be like a playoff caliber team or you're going to see the Bills make a run to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. I just think that they're going to look really, really good this year. I'll tell you something about Josh Allen. Some people have seen Josh Allen recently in camp. He's kind of been making some mistakes, some batted down passes and things like that. Don't worry about that. Josh is a winner. That's the number one thing I like about Josh is he has that winning attitude. He's a great scrambler, right? He runs well. He protects the ball when he does run, and he can gain a lot of yards with his feet. Not to mention the dude's got a goddamn cannon attached to his shoulder, okay? It's not It's not an arm. He has a cannon attached to his shoulder. The only person that can kind of compete with Patrick Mahomes in the league as far as arm strength is Josh Allen. He's got a great arm on him. Um, really good quarterback. I mean, imagine this. Being a quarterback that's as good as Josh Allen. Now, I think that you guys may be underestimating the way that Josh Allen plays. So go back and watch the Bills. And and mind yourself that he's doing this while playing for the Bills. Okay? Zay Jones, standout wide receiver. Love the guy. If you're thinking fantasy, that's a good wide receiver to pick up. Cole Beasley, he's a guy that can teach these kids how to run better routes and more crisp and clean routes. Not to mention, Cole's got a good set of hands on him, too. Then you throw LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore in the mix, two veteran running backs that are still running really, really well. Um, and the and the Bills are in good shape to do really well this year. Now, they're not going to be coming out of the AFC East as title holders or anything like that, but... I do see them building on their previous year. They have a pretty tough schedule, but I'm going to say that the Bills end up 7-9 and nine this year, okay? They're going to be building, and maybe in the next two or three years, you might see some real standout quality from the Bills. Now let's head down to Florida and visit the Miami Dolphins. Now, Miami comes into this year after finishing 7-9 and nine last season with a new coach and a new quarterback. Now, be it Fitzpatrick or Rosen, Miami has a lot to worry about. There's Fitz's inconsistency, Josh Rosen's inexperience, a new coach, or that intense schedule. But to be fair, there are some highlights on that offense. Now, number one is Kenyon Drake, their starting running back, and both wide receivers, Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker. So the real question is, can they capitalize with this current situation at quarterback? The short answer is no. Miami needs more time to develop and a complementary quarterback for the system. Now, they can build this complementary quarterback with who they have, right? But the problem is you've got a little bit of an inconsistency issue from, from Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? And you've got some inexperience from Josh Rosen. Rosen is a good quarterback. He came from UCLA. I know you guys saw him playing for the Cardinals last year, and he didn't look great, right? But I don't think anybody behind that offensive line is going to look good, including Kyler Murray. I haven't got to this yet. But Kyler Murray is not going to be as hot as everybody thinks he is. That's a bad offensive line. Anyways, moving on. Um, so they have like the weapons and the, I don't want to say momentum, but they have like the pieces there to build a pretty solid offense, right? But at the same time, who do you start, right? Do you start Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is hot for like four or five games and then ice cold? 
the thing that I said even last year when I was doing this show last year and I was talking about Ryan and he was killing it on the Bucks, I said when he gets cold, they need to ride out that cold. You have to stick behind your quarterback. Whoever you name at quarterback one, you have to stick behind. You can't pull this BS of the second that they have a bad game or something like that. You pull them and you put somebody else in. That throws off their whole momentum. That throws off their whole morale. That fucks them up mentally to where they think that they can't go out there and make a mistake. And when somebody has that much pressure on them, you're not talking about Aaron Rodgers here. Okay, you're not talking about you're not talking about Tom Brady or Drew Brees. You're not talking about Patrick Mahomes, where when you put pressure on them, you get diamonds, right? You're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy that gets start. He starts, you know, five or six games in a row. He have he has a he has a bad game, and then they bench him, right? So that broke his spirit when they did that to him. And the next time he was out there on the field, that pressure was on, and he made more mistakes because of that extreme amount of pressure so if you're going to start him you need to ride it until the wheels crack now if you're going to start josh rosen go ahead but get ready for some inexperience because that's what you're going to get with him even with his him playing a year for the cardinals that doesn't change anything josh rosen is an inexperienced quarterback and he does not know how to read defenses so you're going to have to ride it out but on the opposite side i will say that's why you have people like Kenyon drake give him the ball let him let him soften up that defense to where Josh can complete some short passes. Get into the swing of things, right? Get that confidence up. Let him build that confidence, not, you know, false confidence, but let him build that confidence of being able to complete throws and then work it downfield. You don't have to take shots all game, right? If you have a good offensive line, you run the ball, you soften the defense up, and then you hit them with daggers through the field. You pick them apart that way. It's the same way the Patriots do it. Here's my thing. You're in a division with the Patriots, right? You have to play them twice. Mimic that style of play. Mimic that same thing. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And then when it comes time, you pick the defense apart slowly but surely, right? You make you make waves that way. You've got two great receivers in Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker, both good fantasy wide receivers if we're talking about fantasy. But you have those two good wide receivers. They can run good routes. They've got good hands and they've got really good speed. So, if you're going to start either one of these quarterbacks, if you're Miami and you're going to start either one of these quarterbacks, you need to make sure that you stick behind them and you give them the best possible opportunity to play well. If you don't do that, you're failing as a front office, you're failing as a coach, and you're failing as an owner. So that's what I have to say. Now, what I will say is this is going to be a rebuilding, I'll say rebuilding season for the Dolphins because they probably won't be able to figure out what offense they want to run or who they want to start a quarterback or some other bullshit or whatever. But this rebuild is going to take a little while. I would say two to three years. So this year, this season, I see them going at worst four and 12 and at best five and 11. They've got a tough schedule and they are in a division with some really tough candidates. You've got to play, you've got to play the Patriots twice a year, right? That's not, that's not fun, right? You're going to have to play the bills twice a year. Okay. That's not going to be fun for you. And even as bad as I think the Jets are going to be, the Jets still might be able to take it to Miami. So, whatever. We're, we're going to move on to the Super Bowl champ, New England Patriots. Last but not least for the AFC East, defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. And the main man himself, 
Tom Brady. Now, Tom is entering his 20th year, making him 42 years old and still one of the league's best quarterbacks, right? But can the Pats do it all over again? The answer is, of course. But why? First of all, on offense, you've got Tom Brady, of course, right? Sony Michelle, great running back, Julian Edelman, and Nikhil Harry. So the offense is already stacked, right? Not to mention the kind of offense they run, okay? That's that's the kind of thing that you have to look into is not necessarily who's on the offense, but the complementary offense that they run that puts them in situations where they can win ball games, right? Even even in games like like Super Bowls. Like I mean, I don't want to even get into the Falcons blowing that 28 to 3 lead. So not even that, but that complementary style of football that they play is really what makes the Patriots good. Now let's talk about on defense. They added Michael Bennett, right? They still have Kyle Vinoy. They've got Dante Hightower, uh, Patrick Chung, and they've got both of the McCourty twins. It's a recipe for a great football team all over again, right? So it doesn't really matter how old Tom gets when the team around him gets better and more developed. Now you think about guys like Nikhil Harry, right? They add Nikhil Harry this year. Um, but they still have a wide receiver that's as seasoned as Julian Edelman. Now, I shouldn't have to explain to everybody what the benefits of having a veteran wide receiver are, but it's basically the same thing as having a veteran corner, right? If you have a veteran corner teaching younger corners how to play this game and how to be good at it, you can develop somebody very, very quickly. So Julian Edelman is taking Nikhil Harry to the side and being like, hey, This is how you can run routes better. This is how you get better hands. This is how you respond to Tom better. This is how you get in tune with the way that Tom likes his routes to be ran because all of that stuff is specifics. And the man behind like this war machine computer, right, is Bill Belichick. Arguably, but not really arguably, the smartest coach to ever coach football. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Wow, he really must like the New England Patriots. No. What I like and admire about the New England Patriots is that they're smarter than a lot of other people. That's what they are. It's maybe they don't have the most athletically prowess quarterback ever in history, right? Because clearly Tom isn't. But is he the most cerebral quarterback that you've played against? Probably. Can he pick apart your defense? Yes, he can. Based off of what the offensive coordinators and Bill Belichick have been able to piece together over this dynasty that they have, right? Say what you want about the Patriots. You can hate the Patriots as much as you want. If you hate them, that's fine. Let me tell you why you hate them. You hate them because you can't beat them. That's why you hate them. It's the same reason people hated Golden State until Toronto beat them, right? They hated them because nobody could beat them. And then Toronto beats them, and look what happens. But I will say, I'm just going to say this. This isn't even football related. Toronto would not have even gotten close to beating Golden State if if uh, Kevin Durant had played any of those games. That's just That's just there. Okay, you guys can take what you want with that, but that's just there. And it works the same way with with the Patriots. If you take one piece out of that puzzle, right, the Patriots aren't as good. You take Tom Brady out of that puzzle, Patriots aren't as good. So one of the things that they're going to need to do throughout this entire year is protect Tom. But that's something that they've been trying to do ever since Tom kind of took the took the helm over Drew Bledsoe. They've been trying to protect Tom. Uh, The other thing that I'm going to bring up is They have a huge, huge threat in the AFC, and the name is the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? That is their threat. That's their kryptonite. If if the Patriots are Superman, then then Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, that's the kryptonite, okay? That's doomsday, okay? Because, okay, you know what? That's actually a better, that's actually a better example. 
Okay. Tom Brady is Superman. Patrick Mahomes is Doomsday. Now, you guys all know that at some point, Doomsday kills Superman. Okay? That's the way that it works. Does Superman come back? Yes. But in my world, he doesn't. Okay? That's the person that's going to dethrone that team. Okay? And you can tell that. I knew Patrick Mahomes was good when he was playing for Texas Tech. I knew that that kid was special. Okay? He comes out of Texas Tech. He sits behind Alex Smith for a year. And he lights shit up and becomes the MVP in his second year in the NFL. Okay? And we're going to talk about the Chiefs a little bit later because we're going to get to the AFC West. But let's talk about the Patriots. Okay? So you have additions like um michael bennett on the defensive line that's a great addition right really mean really angry really good defensive lineman you add another one of the mccordy so now you've got both of the mccordy twins back there that's a good defensive that's a good uh, uh defensive back area that's a that's a really good secondary okay you got patrick chung again great uh dante Hightower, hightower crap hightower great kyle vanoy great um so you have a lot of good people there, a lot of good pieces, and then you get Sony Michelle, a healthy Sony Michelle back on offense. The Patriots are poised to make another run. That's just a fact, okay? So it's going to be another blockbuster season for them. At best, they're going 13 and 3, and at worst, they're going 12 and 4. I don't see a lot of people being able to take them off of that throne. Now, if we get to AFC Championship games and they have to play somebody like the Chiefs, then they should be a little bit worried because Patrick Mahomes is coming out for uh for some blood. And if Andy Reid can keep his coaching up to par with Bill Belichick, and let Patrick Mahomes do the rest, then the Chiefs are going to be in good position. But as far as the Patriots go, another blockbuster season, another playoff run, and maybe, just maybe, another Super Bowl. We're going to get to some announcements, and then we're going to move on to the AFC West. Hey guys, just a quick couple of announcements before we get back to the show. I just wanted to let you guys know that I am on Twitter. You can follow me at Ricky Gray Jr. I'm also on YouTube. I have my own YouTube channel. Uh, it's Ricky Gray Jr. If you type it in, you'll follow it. You can subscribe to me there. I've got two videos up so far. Um, there's going to be a ton more added later. I'm going to be doing a travel video for when I go to Minnesota for the season opener. So if you guys want to check those things out, just type in Ricky Gray Jr. to YouTube or Twitter and you can keep up with all the updates. All right, let's get back to the show. Now, the AFC West is quite the exciting division that includes the Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders. We all know that the front runners for this division are the Chiefs and the Chargers, so let's take a look at the Broncos and Raiders first. The Broncos are coming off of a 6-10 and season and frankly have been pretty bad since Manning left in 2015. It looks like they're trying to capture some of that magic by bringing in veteran quarterback Joe Flacco, which could turn out pretty well. Pairing him with the stellar running back Phillip Lindsay, wide receiver Cortland Sutton, Denver seems poised to have a pretty impressive offense. On the defensive side, you've got Derek Wolf, Bradley Chubb, and Vaughn Miller, so the defense is good, offense is pretty solid, but to be successful, they need consistency, especially in a division where they have to play Mahomes and Rivers twice. That's not an easy thing to do. You're not entering into a division where it's a little bit more lax and maybe you could get away with a couple of losses, but it's clear that they're going to go 0-4 against those teams, right? They're not going to be able to beat both of those teams, let alone once, you know, I mean, twice is just, that's a pipe dream. They won't be able to do that. But they are taking some steps in the right direction. Bringing in Joe Flacco, I think that's a good idea. I think the only thing that you're going to run into there is the longevity of Joe Flacco. He's getting towards the end of his career, obviously, right? Um, and it's kind of like the move that they did by bringing in Peyton Manning, right? Peyton was towards the end of his career, but he was able to work some magic with the Broncos and they were able to do pretty good. 
So where's the real issue, right? The, the real issue is you're going to be entering into a new offense for Joe Flacco. Um, it's not really tailored to his style unless they get the running game going and they're able to chip away like that, which could work really well if they do something along those lines. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be a rebuilding season for them. I don't see Denver having too impressive of a season. They've got some pieces there that they can build off of depending on how long uh, long Joe Flacco is there, and depending on how well Joe Flacco can develop somebody like Drew Locke. You have to think about that too, because the, the longevity is Joe Flacco maybe has three or, I'd say three, honestly, two or three years left in the league before he retires. So if he's able to develop Drew Locke into a pretty good quarterback by that time, then maybe, just maybe, the Broncos will have something to work with. But in the meantime, they're going to have to uh, take another take another interesting season. Now, for me, I'm thinking at best they finish at 500 going 8 and 8. Uh at worst, I could see them repeating at 6 and 10 all over again. But let's move on to the uh, catastrophe in Oakland. So the good old Oakland Raiders. Uh there's not really much to say there. The Raiders are coming off of a woeful 4 and 12 season with head coach John Gruden chomping at the bit to win games this year. They did draft a stellar college running back, Josh Jacobs, who will probably start over Doug Martin with the way that things are going over at camp. Um, They picked up offensive lineman Richie Incognito. That was kind of a controversial pickup. But most notably, they added Antonio Brown. Now, the pieces are there, but what is the problem? It's not in skill, it's in cohesion. One of the things that I've been talking about for years is cohesion with teammates okay antonio brown is a interesting character to say the least um pairing that with somebody like richie incognito is another interesting character so that's got to make for a strange locker room um so i guess the i guess the real question is 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 antonio brown going to make the impact that he did in pittsburgh short answer no okay teams know how to play against uh one wide receiver They know how to stop Antonio Brown, depending on really what that offensive line looks like for the Raiders. Uh, The Steelers kind of knew how to tailor plays towards Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, which is a hard hard name to say multiple times. Um, But you've got this kid, Derek Carr, okay? His confidence, I feel, is low, and I think you could see that in some of the games that he was playing. I don't think he responds well to John Gruden's coaching. Okay, that's a personal, that's just a personal observation. I'm not saying that that's what I know from inside of the camp because I'm not there. I don't understand. I don't really know the inner workings of what's going on there, but the way I see it, I don't think he responds very well to John Gruden's coaching. Um, Antonio Brown, honestly, I think he's a little bit too little bit uh, too much of a distraction for them. I think maybe he takes away uh, the team style of play, um, mainly just because I see him, see him as a guy that's a, uh, me, me, me all the time, you know? So you you have those kind of issues, and then you've got John Gruden's outdated offense. Um, if you guys remember, the Raiders' offense was terrible and god-awful to watch last year. That's why they finished 4-12. and 12. So even with the additions of somebody like Antonio Brown or, you know, Josh Jacobs, that doesn't guarantee them wins, Right. They can lean on Josh Jacobs a lot, and they can lean on, you know, the run game to maybe soften up defense so Derek Carr can make some better decisions downfield and maybe get him a little bit more confidence uh, in his in his gameplay. But I don't see the Raiders doing much better this year. Okay, four and twelve last year, 
Honestly, I'm thinking they go 5-11 and 11 this year. So let's talk about the good teams in the AFC West, moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers. So the Chargers are looking to add on to last year's 12-4 and season. They even got pretty close to taking out the Pats in the playoffs last year. Now, if we minus all the extra stuff surrounding the Melvin Gordon deal, the Chargers look pretty good this year. They also have a pretty favorable schedule, so a pretty big upside for the Chargers going into this season. The defense looks stacked again with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and Derwin James. On offense, they've got a solid, reliable receiving core with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Travis Benjamin. And the off chance that Phillip goes down, they do have a competent backup in Tyrod Taylor. So LA is looking pretty good, right? LA's got this winning attitude. They've always played like that. Angry Phillip gets out there and he he gets, well, angry, right? He makes some big plays. They did really well in the playoffs last year. Um, they had to go up against the Pats. That's a hard thing to do in the playoffs. Usually when it's when you're playing the Pats in the playoffs, it's kind of just like you're taking an L right from the beginning, right? Even the even the team that was poised to beat the the Patriots ended up falling short. Um, but this year, they're looking pretty good. They've got a schedule that's pretty complimentary. Uh, they don't have to go up against too many tough competitors. The thing I will say is that there's a little bit of an issue that I see with this Melvin Gordon deal, okay? Um, not necessarily for the Chargers, but for Melvin Gordon. If you run into a situation where, you know, because right now all of the cards are in the Chargers' favor, favor as far as... Um, Melvin Gordon does because they do have a backup to where they don't necessarily need to pay Melvin Gordon a whole lot of money. You know, Austin Eckler came in and he ran really well when Melvin Gordon was hurt. So you have a little bit of an issue there, but I do think that Melvin Gordon is a really, really solid running back and he's a great receiving back too. He can catch out of the backfield. He's got good route running. He's got great hands. Um, He runs downhill really well. So you have these things that would be a good addition to the Chargers going forward and then maybe using him and Austin Eckler as like this two-headed running back situation. I could see that going really well for the Chargers. So, you know, you've got a couple of, you know, hiccups there as far as, you know, front office things and, and stuff like that. But the Chargers are looking pretty well going into this season. You know, they've got Phillip coming back. Um, we don't really, I guess I don't really know how long Phillip's going to be playing for, but in the meantime, he looked really good last year. You know, he didn't look bad at all last year, but in the event that he does go down or something like that happens to him, they've got Tyrod Taylor just right there in the helm. And that's not a bad backup to have. That's actually a pretty damn good backup to have considering, you know, that's a starting quarterback. That's a backup. So a lot of options are out there for the Chargers going forward into this year. They've got Keenan Allen, great wide receiver, great hands. Mike Williams coming back. You know, he's healthy this year, so that's going to be good for them, too. Travis Benjamin, he's probably going to be doing some punt returning stuff, too, I would imagine. Um Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. That's just two guys that love hitting quarterbacks and love getting after the ball. So that's great. Derwin James is a good coverage safety, a good hard hitting safety too, if I can give him that much. So the Chargers are kind of stacked as far as a team goes, along with that complimentary schedule. I could see them going 11 and five, another playoff season. Um, But unfortunately, I do think that they'll get booted out by one of the other heavy hitters that we've been talking about, you know, the Patriots or the Chiefs. So speaking of the Chiefs, it's time to move on to the man with the golden arm, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. So the Chiefs are coming off of a stellar 12-4 and season with NFL MVP Patrick Mahomes, but they are going to be minus Kareem Hunt, which could pose a little bit of a problem. They do, however, have Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde to try and fill that gap, so we're just going to have to see how that works out. Stellar tight end Travis Kelsey is going to be coming back, not to mention on defense, they added Teron Matthew and Brashad Breland, 
kind of a hard name to say, but they also have a pretty favorable schedule to the, for the most part. The key is going to be whether opposing teams can stop Patrick Mahomes. Short answer, I don't think so, okay? He's a very interesting quarterback, and if you see what he's been doing in camp recently, you'll kind of realize that last year was just him warming up. He's about to get more wild, more insane, and have just another great, fantastic season. The guy's got a cannon on him. He's got great on-field vision. He can make plays with his legs. Uh, He's really good at reading defenses. He's good at audibling. He's got Andy Reid behind him, coaching him, uh, keeping him, kind of keeping him safe. You know what I mean? Developing him well as a quarterback. So it's really great to see. And the additions on defense, because that's where Casey struggled last year with Teron Matthew and Brashad Breland, kind of shore up some of the inconsistencies that they had on defense last year. So the Chiefs are kind of posed to be in a really, really good spot as far as games go and winning goes. What I'm thinking is that the Chiefs are going to go 14-2 and this year, uh, at worst 13-3. and I do think that they're going to lose to the Chargers once and the Patriots once, head to the AFC Championship more than likely, and this is where it gets kind of hard for me, right? Because is this the year that Patrick Mahomes takes down uh, Tom Brady? Because, of course, I do think that the Patriots are going right back to the AFC Championship. Until the season actually starts and I can see like what some of the problems and inconsistencies with the Patriots are, I'm just basing this off of what I know about the Patriots. I do believe that they're going to be back in the AFC Championship. And I also believe that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be back in the AFC Championship. So... Is this the year that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to be able to dethrone Tom Brady and head to the Super Bowl? Now, this is going to be interesting to to kind of watch and see how it plays out because you know that that's the that's the successor, right? Patrick Mahomes is the successor, barring any kind of crazy injury or anything like that. He's obviously the successor to Tom Brady. He's he's kind of the prototype of what every coach would want in a quarterback. He can make plays with his legs. He's very physical. He makes insane throws okay left-handed throws throws off of one foot no look passes the kids got confidence out of the yin yang but he's still a very humble player and he still makes really really smart decisions do i think that he can take that title from tom yeah if there's anybody that's going to do it it's going to be him but we're still going to have to see that's something that we can't just we can't just throw out there and and expect to happen we're going to have to see how pat is going to have to or is going to respond to some of these games playing teams like the Patriots now if he goes and he plays the Patriots and he wins one and loses one or something like that we're gonna have to see where he made the mistakes and if he can correct those mistakes and not make them again right Andy Reid has to do his job as a coach and that defense has to be solid okay doesn't matter how hard your offense is if your defense is trash then it doesn't really matter okay you can have a great offense they had a great offense last year and they ended up coming up short heading to the Super Bowl. They had the chance to. They would have been able to take down the Giant, but they didn't. They weren't able to take down Tom, okay? That's it for me this week. Remember to rate and review all good points on your favorite podcast platform. You can check me out on YouTube at Ricky Gray Jr. On Twitter, you can follow me on Instagram. I have more magnets too, so if you guys want, you can DM me and I can send some of those out. And I will be seeing you guys next week. Have a great weekend.